Hello and welcome to Learning, Laughing, and Loving with your co-host Evan Money and yours truly, Scott Jones. This podcast is all you need. If you're looking to learn about the world, do it with a smile and to connect to the deeper mysteries of human life and the kind of connection everyone is looking to make. Money, money, money. Scott, Kent, Jones, living, laughing, learning. What a glorious day. It is a, it's a, it's, oh, it's actually kind of overcast here in Philadelphia, but uh, it's um, a little rainy, but you know, it's still glorious. That's right. That's right. And like my buddy Zig Ziglar taught me a long time ago, and I'm going to re-paraphrase it to evanize it, but if you don't think this is the greatest day of your life, just try missing one. Ha! Exactly. So not only is this the greatest day of my life, this is the greatest podcast of my life right here, right now with Scott Ken Jones. There you go. I love it. I love it. So what's going on in your mind today, my friend? Mm, Lots going on in my mind. Lots and lots and lots. A trick for me is slowing my mind down and getting down to, okay, this is the day that the Lord has made, not tomorrow, not yesterday. So... What are we going to work on today? And my favorite Chuck Norris quote of all time is, wherever you are, be there. So make exactly what you're doing, exactly what you're doing at the time. So there's been a lot of paraphrases of that. So what I'm doing exactly at this time is learning, laughing, and loving with Scott Ken Jones. I like it. A spectacular podcast, but I want to see what you have on the table or what's been going on with you or what we can banter back and forth for we could talk about eight million listeners. We could talk about lots of things. You know, I am the thing that I've been thinking about uh, a lot over the past week. One thing I, I was facilitating a kind of adult um, education class for a church in Phoenix Oh, okay. and adult in church really doesn't got to exactly carefully these days. So, and so the thing that like struck me is the number of people that like have had kind of acrimonious, you know, adversarial interactions around COVID-19 and the choices people are making. And, mm. and it, and I was saying, it seems like everybody feels negative about these interactions. And, and I, I thought one of the, so one of the things I've been thinking about is the notion of judgmentalism and mm. how do you, how do you kind of keep from the toxic <laughs> nature of judgmentalism? Because, you know, everything like that I'm reading is saying that like, we're going to be in this kind of situation for a little while. And uh, it 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 probably is le- less than helpful to running run around judging people all the time for their choices. It, it it just creates a lot of negative feedback loop energy for for just in personally in your own life. And I I think that that's a really interesting kind of thing because we're we're in a big diverse country where people are responding to a health crisis in lots of different ways. That's pretty understandable, right? Because we're, we're a large country and we have sort of a a system of government that allows for a lot of freedom in states and local governments. And so that to me is something I've been thinking about. Like, how do you, how do you uh, fight the negative 
energy or, or, and you know, and maybe also the, the, the vice versa. I mean, I, a lot of people that, you know, who are really frustrated with people who are advocating more restrictive measures. Right. And people are angry at that. Like, Hey, don't tread on me. You're kind of ruining my life. <laughs> and it's just, there's just so much negative energy, right? Like floating around at people. And like, I was talking with people like in this class that really just, it, it, it really damaged some of their friendships you mm. know, kind of stuff. and you're kind of, it just sounded like kind of traumatic and hard and, and negative. So that's one thing I'm thinking about. Mm. Mm. I love, I love what you share because it is so apropos, uh, less than helpful. <laughs> it's such <laughs> a great term. Uh, that would be less than helpful. Okay. That's right. God, that's kind yeah. of a, it's an understated term, less yes, than helpful. Less than helpful. That is glorious. That that's a great one. But I'll I'll share a story with you that I heard and I was able to facilitate a uh, someone I'm mentoring through, and I know you'll love it from the the church aspect. So I've got a young millennial, super uh, as as you guys like to say, a little north of you, wicked smart kid, yeah, New England. <laughs> yes. Um, but just, and so spiritually in tune, right? Just at that age to be that uh, spiritually in tune is remarkable. Uh, but again, able to guide and mentor him and do some things. So he recently went to a mastermind like event in Sedona, Arizona. And for those that don't know, Sedona is synonymous with crystals and energy and mystic healing and all this stuff, right? So he's telling me about this experience and how weirded out he was when he first got there and he was just like, you know, I, I came to serve, I came to be a light and here I am like, Oh my gosh. And he carpooled mistake. Right. So he was stuck. <laughs> it's like you are in for the full thing. So he did the seance. He did the thing where they sat on the rocks and danced in the stars and he experienced the whole thing. And he said, it took him about three hours to get his judgment hat off and say, okay, how can I be an authentic me without judging all of these people here? And what truth can I find here? And here's the takeaway, two takeaways, Scott King Jones. Number one was, he goes, man, he goes, I did stuff with those people I've never done with anybody in my church. He's like, we sat, we ate together, we cooked each other's food together. We had, and I, I, I said, oh, you mean you had authentic community? He was like, yes. He's like, we had real, like, I said, you mean you had real community? And he's like, yeah, it was so incredible. And it was, you know, this. so he's having all these takeaways of like, wow, what could I bring back to my church community from this very interesting experience? And he's like, yeah, I'm looking at, they got a, they got this little, picture statue thing of Buddha with a Jesus head. And I'm just, you know, going, what in the world? And, right. But all these great takeaways. And then one thing I really hit home with them, I said, okay, you know, when you showed up in that first three hours and how weirded out you felt and how uncomfortable you felt and how you were like, all right, how do I get out of here? What's going on? Da, 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 da. I go, that's exactly what every person feels like when they come to a new church or looking to get into the church for the first time. And he hit the floor, Scott. He was like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Oh my gosh, daughter. You know, because we can't see the forest or the trees. And 
so often churches want to talk about, oh, yes, well, when the new people come in, we want them to feel this way. And it's like, you don't realize how uncomfortable they are because this is your normal, right? So now he's totally uncomfortable and just going, oh, my gosh. So all that ties into, right, of this, well, wait a minute, why are these people wearing masks inside their cars with air conditioning on? Or here's one, here's one, Scott Gendelms, you'll love this because we just got back from the beach. There are literally people surfing with masks on. <laughs> And it's just like, okay. What so is the mask it, made of? I, yeah, they, a lot of times, a lot of people wearing the neoprene ones now. That's like the okay. new cool thing out here. But it was just like, come on, people. But yeah, how do you get past that judgment, whether it's a mask, whether it's what are you doing with those crystals and what are you chanting and what are you smoking and what about all this stuff and get past all that. So he he came back totally, you know, refreshed of just like, wow, I can't wait to, you know, bring some of these truths you know, to my church, but at the same time realize like, okay, I, I love those people. I'm not going to do what they're doing, but non-judgmental. So that seems to be the trend today. I like where we're going. Yeah. And I think that, 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 I mean, and, and what is it? I think that if you're, if your impulse is to judge someone really quickly, what is it in, in, in you? It's usually out of lack, right? Like, when you're in places of abundance, wait, I thought it was a spiritual gift. I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's gifts of judgmentalism. Right? <laughs> um, it's usually like, you know, cause generally when you're in a place of like gratitude and a sense of, Oh wow. Like, you know, I'm grateful for, for, you know, the things in my reality, you tend not to need to judge other people, right? You tend not to need to comparatively, be sort of again critical and negative of them it usually i mean most of the time i think it's about making yourself feel better right like mm. it's a kind of toxic way of making yourself feel better right because the inverse of the judgment is like they're lacking so then i have something so out of my own lack mm. i try to find some lack in them and then fill myself up emotionally although again it's like sort of putting sugar in your gas tank it's not really it's not long term going to um going to provide much uh of any kind of fulfillment but and so in reality what you're saying is it's less than helpful it's less than helpful you like that i love that i'm, I'm carrying that forward for today it's it's less than helpful less than helpful but no you, you hit on something because it, it's one of those you're right it's like okay i i know there's no purpose into it but subconsciously it makes me feel better and you have to literally pull like slap yourself around not to do it. Cause again, to me, it's a spiritual gift to be judgmental. Just like, ah, oh, look at those people over there. Look at this. I can't believe they're doing that. And it's like, well, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. And when you're in that state, you know, we go back to Tony Robbins one-on-one all about states, right? Like, well, like I said, when you're in a gratitude state, when you're excited to, to harness your inner Hamilton and look around, look around how lucky we are to be alive right now, you don't have time to notice and judge. Right. But um, there's, there's something about, being in that state. And I think it's the catch, it's the the doom loop, right? So we're constantly on edge because we want to, you know, man 101, right? Human nature 101. We all want certainty, right? And this is anything but certainty right now. So now we're kind of on edge and we're on this and we're just spiraling down, right? So it's this spiritual gift of judgmentalism and just keep spiraling and da-da-da-da-da. So I think it's about how we catch ourselves early or proactively keep us in that state of gratitude. 
Uh, so we can whiz right by judgmentalism and it doesn't stick hold, but it's gotta be, once you're in it, it's too late, right? Like with men, like once you're aroused, it's too late. It's not like, oh, calm down. I mean, the blood is drained from our head somewhere to other a different body parts. So it's like, okay, how do we get to stop ourselves before we get there? So for you, Scott Kent Jones, you've had this, this great journey, you know, the sojourn of traveling and going living in different states and all this stuff. So how have you kept yourself in that gratitude state? What are some ways you do that? Oh, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Uh, mm. <laughs> I've been very lonely and I, the thing that has kept me grateful is my friends that I, I realized like I have some wonderful friends who um, will chat with me and teach me things and, and listen when I'm sad or, and again, talk like, I mean, there's just some interesting people like, like I, you know, it's interesting. I have some Canadian friends I've been talking with and I feel like I've learned so much just about the United States and like the COVID stuff and how we're dealing with it. Just talking with them. It's really interesting. Mm. And so I'm grateful for like perspective. Um, mm. Mm. And yeah, just, that, that's no, no, I, I want to dive into that. Cause we're, like I said, we're both here in the United States, so we have a United States mindset. So you've talked about in the couple shows on this Canadian thing of like, wow, why do you politicize COVID? And it's like, wasn't well, that what you're supposed to do, right? But do real quick, are they are they the A Canadians? Do they say A or do they speak French or which which kind of Canadian? They are all like so. Okay, so some of them, us and them, of course, but yeah, are in Regina, which is in it's the it's the it's the provincial capital of wait, let me look it up. <laughs> Regina capital. Um, it is the political capital of. Is that Quebec, uh, Ontario? Of Saskatchewan. Oh, Saskatchewan. Oh, they're the they're the middle. They're like the farmers and the okay. Right, 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 right. And then some of them are in Toronto area, like oh, Metro okay. Greater Toronto, which is like mm. Ontario, which is a little further east, which is a lovely city. I've only been once, but it was a lovely, lovely city. I mean, it's just mm. a beautiful. <laughs> wonderful place um so they are okay what do they say they don't say a but they do say project project so 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 what my one of the, my friends he's he's originally from canada but he it lived he lives in london but he had to go back for his visa and so to get a new visa and he, our podcast is called the Atlas Project, and he mm. calls it the Atlas Project. <laughs> and so, so they're they're not really, yeah, they're not a, uh, or they're not French speaking. They're kind of, you know, very kind of American oriented. I mean, not American. That's that's the wrong word. But they're very. They don't seem as um, as weird or as alien. I'm using all uh, these terms. I'm using are less than helpful. Yeah, so less than to describe our Canadian brothers. Yeah, it, we are it, not judging whatsoever. I'm not judging now, but it's interesting too because talking with them, what's interesting is like they get our news, right? And so it's interesting. Like they live, they don't live in our country, but they get our news. So they're really interesting observers because it's like they're like next door neighbors, like looking at what you're doing, you know, like in your yard. And they have a really interesting perspective because they're getting like. They follow it, it, it like it's intriguing because like I can't think of another country I follow with that much interest, which is why I'm kind of a probably a, an egocentric American. Like I mean, I try to read like global news, but I don't. They're so dialed in, like they know like what's going on in this country as much as I know. Well, 
Yeah, they know more. And this, okay, so this is Ignorant American 101 here. So tell me why, Scott Ken Jones. I've traveled a little bit, uh, not extensively as you, I'm sure, but why is it that this American, like, you know, it, we, we left, you know, the, we have the military, right? And, but everything else has left, right? So it's, we're no longer the, you know, mass production country that we were, everything made in America, you know, all that stuff. So we're not this quote unquote global superpower and all that stuff. But why is it that every, what is it about American culture where every other country gets our news? And we're just like, we don't get other people's news. We don't care. I mean, even go back to entertainment, right? There's Australian Idol and Brazilian Idol. And nobody here cares. We only care if it's American Idol. So what is it with, what is so fascinating about the American experiment? Or as uh, Bono says, you know, Ireland's a great country, but it's not an idea. So I love when he he shared that. So is that is that the thing where other countries are still fascinated by us and they want to? Get I do think he's right. I do think he's right about that because like so if you if you let's say like the planet was uninhabitable, right, and we had to go move to Mars, okay. we could be as American like if 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 Italians had to move to Mars, there'd be a loss there, right? Like, or if I if I if the Irish had to go move to Mars, but with America, like, we, we, if we have the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and our ideals, we can be as American on Mars as we are here, right? Like, it's not, it's not tied to, it's not like, you know, like most other, you know, liberal constitutional democracies, you know, come out of the Enlightenment where, okay, for a thousand years or whatever, we had this feudal, you know, medieval government. And then we had the Enlightenment and we come up with this, these constitutional principles and democracy and all this stuff. But we have this long dialogue going a long backstory that's kind of in tension with that, you know, this pre-modern backstory. We don't really have the analogous thing, right? Like colonists came here. It was literally a new world. And and you, you know, after we declare independence, there's this sense in which it, it is a country largely united by ideas, not by the ancient kind of traditions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I think that is interesting. And it, it does make us innovative and free spirited. I mean, like it's, you know, again, there are downsides, like several of my friends from Europe and Canada have said, like, we think America is awesome and it's innovative and free spirited and something, but probably it doesn't always help you in like a public health crisis. And there's probably something to that. Like, like we're kind of like that's kind of free spirit. Don't tread on me. Yes, makes it hard for us to sort of coordinate and say, okay, like let's all get on the same page on this, so we can figure out what we can all do together and not go crazy and that kind of thing. So I I do think it, there are probably areas where it hurts us, but it, it is hard to argue that. I mean, we're just so innovative, you know. I mean, we are so and it, it's funny because I have this friend who uh, is this political scientist to do this podcast with. And he was saying, and he used to own a business in China and lived in China. Mm. And he has a couple of friends that are trying to develop, like they have a company where they're developing rocket technology. And so he says like, they basically have to sit weekly and have tea with a local party official and explain everything they're doing. Mm. And that's not going to, kind of encourage innovation <laughs> like, i mean that's just not like that's not how you you know how you make the kind of free spirit innovative collaborative you know, uh, you know imaginative process like so i mean there's yeah i think there is something about us that's like that is um idea-based and and 
innovative. And I hope we don't lose it. I mean, that's the, that's the thing, right? You're always in danger of, of losing those ideals, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, every, I mean, somebody said like the church is always a generation away from extinction. Right. Mm. Uh, like, like, and lots of things like that are right. Like we could, we could come to have a complete loss of appreciation for some of these ideals and not that they shouldn't be fluid and change. And I think there's real progress. And I think this is one of the great things of somebody like Martin Luther King, right? Like he didn't say, look, America was completely flawed from the beginning and totally, you know, awful. He was saying, we have great ideals here. We're not living into them. Right. And so, and, and, and we have to expand Yes. The vision of, of living into our ideals. And I think that, I mean, that is the kind of thing that, that hopefully I think is us at our best, that we've got ideals that can always be expanded and improved upon. Um, but you worry, like, you worry, like, it's, it's really interesting. There was a study done, like a, a polling thing done a couple years ago. And they found that some, uh, this really unusual number, uh, amount of millennials like 40% or something um, didn't think it was necessary, you know, to like for the good life to live in a liberal democracy, uh, which is remarkable. And I was thinking about that and some, several commentators that are reading that I was reading or looking at that poll and they were wondering, is this because of the collapse of the Soviet union? And so like when the Soviet union existed, there was this alternative reality that was vying for sh- for sh- the shaping of the world economy mm-hmm. and world mm-hmm. way of life, and and you knew like right, right like it was atheist, it was totalitarian, it was it was not into um, the, the same kinds of conceptions of freedom that we have. So like when you don't have that threat, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are you kind of like ah oh, okay, what's yeah. the big deal? Where whereas yeah. if you had talked to people in the Cold War era. Mm-hmm. That number would have been much high, much lower, just because people saw the alternatives. And I yeah. wonder, yes, oh, I yeah. wonder if that's the. It's again, it gets back to the gratitude thing. Like how, you know, how grateful are we for um, a legacy that we've we've inherited that's really special in the history of again, not without its problems, but is really special in the history of the world in a way that's hard to, like, it's hard to overestimate. No, I. I agree. And a couple of things that came up for me. So uh, you'd love it. It's a good read. I know you're, you have a beautiful mind, so you can digest it. But Simon Sinek's uh, Infinite Game book is tremendous. And he has a whole chapter on what you just shared about the Soviet Union and the U.S. Because he calls it a worthy rival. Like what the Cold War did is it brought, kept America that tension to be at its best, Right. And he says the biggest mistake the United States ever made was declaring victory over the Cold War because now it says, oh, yeah, we can just kick back and relax and we're good. Yeah. Um, And then going back to what you talked about MLK, which is what I loved about him. And I have another young man that I mentor and he says this all the time. So I have to give Javon Langford credit. But it's what MLK did to the United States was he called us forward instead of calling us out. Yeah. Yeah. and, And I think that goes back to the judgmental and all this stuff of like, Hey, calling us to be our best rather than, you know, what is happening now, right? Oh, burn the government, burn the white house, burn this, burn that. Oh, we can't, I'm sorry. I can't call the white house anymore. We have to call it another color house or repaint it or whatever, but instead of, you know, calling forward versus calling out, but on a fun note, uh, per your talk about rockets and your, your less than helpful environment for uh, innovation, 
But I have to give credit to, if you talk about wordsmithing, right? The people that invented the rocket were a lot more optimistic than the people that invented the missile, right? If you think about that, <laughs> Right? Yeah. Like, okay, the missile, it's going to miss every time versus the rocket is actually going to rocket into space. So I thought that was kind of funny. My attempt to be humorous. Yeah, that. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. The missile versus the rocket, right? Although the space rockets were built on the chassis of ICBM. <laughs> yes. Right? They were like, right? Weren't they like ICBM? Yeah. Something. So, so maybe they're repurposing the, the pessimistic missile. Yes. Yes. To get us to Mars, right? But no, to you get brought, us to Mars. You brought up a really great point, though. It would be fat. It would be a different Mars, you know, owed to um, our our Tesla buddy and Amazon uh, founders there who want to get to Mars as soon as possible, right? Like, what would Mars look like if again the Italians landed and said, "Okay, we're going to build Mars here," versus right an American Mars, right? I mean. I mean but again, our finite mindset is like it's a giant planet, but we think in Star Wars, like the whole the whole planet is one tiny city, right? But there's a sh there's a show like this. Um, hmm. uh, I think it's called The Expanse, and it's on Amazon. And basically, the idea is they they colonize the Earth, Earth colonizes Mars, and then Mars becomes like its own culture. And they're like Martians. Like they don't consider themselves Earthlings anymore. They're really uh, like Martians. Okay. okay. And they're kind of militaristic and they're kind of and then there's this group in between called Belters. And the Belters are people that just live in space. And so they they but what's interesting about the Belters is like their bones and everything are so weird because they've never been raised in gravity. So a belter can't go to like a gravitational world. It will pull their body, it will just be agonizing for their body. And so you have this whole kind of thing between like the Martians, the Earthlings, and the Belters, and all this. It's a pretty great. I mean, it, it's funny too because there's this one big ship that eventually the Belters kind of buy. Um, but it was originally it was this massive ship because the Mormons wanted it to go and evangelize other alien, like look for alien races. But I don't know something like the Mormons were nigged or something, and then so they took. The, the the belters took this big ship and it had the angel Maroni on the on the on the on the ship uh, on the front of the ship so it was pretty fascinating <laughs> interesting pretty great show actually okay we got if two you're plugs. Into if you're into sci-fi okay so we got best-selling book recommendations we got great sci-fi stuff uh, great sci-fi stuff book recommendations and the last thing that I'm thinking about this week I I'm Working with this guy in a podcast to promote his book. His name's Ed Watts, and he is a, he's at UC San Diego, and he writes about ancient Rome. And he's a, a, a classical historian, like really cool guy. But he was talking about what was so interesting is like he was talking about in the fourth century how Christians in the Roman world were so progressive, like they just thought even when the Roman Empire was in decline like it didn't stop the christians from imagining a better and more beautiful life like they're they're they were able to like extricate their fortunes and their view of the world from like from from the the rise and fall of the empire and i said so interesting like you wouldn't describe christians in north america that way now like you wouldn't describe them by and large as these imaginative progressive sort of like it, like he basically was saying that 
that that it was one of the most exciting intellectual centuries in Rome in that like for Christians everything was on the table to be rethought. Mm. Like all these different ways to think about life and government and what the good life was. So you know they're just they're reading their bibles, they're reading like ancient philosophy and they're just asking all these amazing questions and they're they're really the ones that are, they're the avant-garde mm. in the 4th century. They're they're the ones that are mm. even again when Rome is in decline they're 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 thinking positively optimistically and, and thinking about what's good for society and and new ways of civil organization and i just thought like man i mean you just wouldn't describe american christians that way though, right in fact yeah you probably would think of them as the more pessimistic and as, the, ju- as judgmental and less than helpful yes judgmental and less than helpful and slightly less than imaginative <laughs> so that kind of also is interesting to me like what what makes for an imaginative, hopeful mm. people, you know, and, and it's remarkable that people like St. Augustine were able to see the sack of Rome and not, and not give up and think, wow, Hey, our best years could be in front of us. Like mm. and that's a remarkable thing to me. Mm. No. And I, it is, I think that's a great way. And we can end the show with this of how can we, because I've I've read a lot of the books of the you know calling out the you know the Western Christian Church, which doesn't help anything, right? Oh, it could a little bit, but how do we call it forward, Scott Kenjo? Yes. How do we call the Western Church forward? And a little caveat, isn't it interesting? You talk about how our mindset is not the avant-garde and all that. And I think that's why it took Hillsong to kind of do its own revival musically wise, right? Because it wasn't coming out of America. So it's like, Hey, the Aussies need to step up and be like, all right, but yeah, how can we call it forward? Fin- finish us off with that. Yeah. I, I, I don't, that's a good question. I mean, I think hope is important and imagination, hope and imagination are key and thinking that hope on the ground looks like, you know, so right now it's a, it's a pretty easy it's an it's a time that it's really easy to not be hopeful right like it's people are depressed there's a malaise um but the idea that wow like uh we've been endowed by our creator with imagination and uh, intellect and sociality and all these things and and that what humans are capable of some remarkable things like and and the sky's like you know kind of the limit uh if you know if if we're open uh humble and curious and uh you know really uh people that and also like seeking the shalom you know it's interesting great word great word jeremiah says to these exiles that are exiled in babylon these israelite exiles like seek the shalom of babylon because in it's in babylon shalom you're going to find your shalom and so Mm. thinking that like that we're going to find our peace and well-being in making a more beautiful city, making a more beautiful nation, making a more beautiful world for everybody. And in that, we'll find our own sense of blessing. Yes. Scott Kent Jones. Learning, loving, laughing, and lots of learning. That was brilliant, my friend. I'm standing up. I'm applauding. Always a pleasure, my friend. Oh, always a blessing to talk to you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. And remember, everyone, life truly is tremendous. It is. Thanks, my friend. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Learning, Laughing, and Loving with Evan Money and Scott Jones. If you like what you've heard here, please do something for us. Go to iTunes and write a review. Give us a rating. Tell people. Share it on social media. If you found something you love here, share the love and goodness with the world. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, friends, fare thee well.